before jumping into this episode of What's Up With Me, here's an update about upcoming public shows. Bum, 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 bum. There aren't any. None right now, but if you want to stay up to date on the next upcoming Curbside Comedy Show or comedy show with me in it, head to my website, carnicfearchain.com and sign up for my newsletter right there on the homepage of the website. Other than that, uh, Good News, a podcast, a show I started a while ago, is coming back. Check out Good News, a podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts to add some good news to your news cycle. Without further ado... Welcome to What's Up With Me. <laughs> My name is Karnik Fierchain, and it's kind of a show that that's about what's up with me. It's fairly self-explanatory. It's talking about my comedy life, personal life, a tiny bit, uh, and other stuff. If you're interested in following me on social media, head to at Connor underscore Fierchain. Um, that's Instagram. That's where I'm most active. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe. This episode, we are going to be talking a lot about what the future of curbside comedy is. Very exciting. But before we get into that, got some questions. Love to start out the show with some questions. If you're interested in asking me a question in the future, either comment on this video if you're watching on YouTube, um, send me a direct message on Instagram or on Instagram Wednesdays before the episodes come out. I put out a question in my story and connect with me there. First question I got this week, a uh, little bit of backstory before I say it. I've read, uh, I think, I think it was just before the last episode came out. So just over two weeks ago, I started reading Harry Potter and I am now on the fifth Harry Potter book. So I've been reading up quite a storm. Uh, friends who know me know that. So someone asked me, has he who must not be named returned? And uh, for those of you who don't know Harry Potter, what? What? But to answer the question, <laughs> I do not believe Voldemort has returned again. I did ask, I asked for clarification with this question. I said, do you mean now in present day or in the books? And he said both. So I don't believe Voldemort has returned again. Uh, in the books, I'm on the fifth book. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah, Voldemort has returned. Um, but the, the ministry doesn't believe it. Neither do all the people at Hogwarts. So controversy ahead. But I think we're in the clear now in 2020. In the clear of Voldemort, but not necessarily other things. <laughs> uh, another question. That was from Derek Tahara, my good buddy from college. Next question is, what do I think about what is slash isn't in the Harry Potter movie and how is a family? That question is from Matt Gady, who started Good News Podcast with me back when it started in 2017. Uh, definitely check out that show. I appreciate everyone supporting the Kickstarter campaign. Again, you can find that information on my website, I'm trying to raise $3,500 to keep that show going. Talk a little bit more about it a little bit later on. Um, but what do I think about what is or isn't in the Harry Potter movie? One, I will say to anyone who says they like Harry Potter and never read the books. You don't know if you really like Harry Potter. You don't. You don't. Because my firm belief is the books are so much better than the movies. 
In movies, you might think, well, you can see more subtleties in the characters because you can visualize them. There's more cues to how characters feel. Nope, not true. There's so much more depth in the books. Uh, For instance, the way that the Elder Wand in the seventh movie, spoiler alert, is just snapped. Mm Mm-mm. That doesn't even make sense because Harry's wand is broken. He uses the other wand to repair his wand and then abandons the other one, which leaves a little bit of question about what the future could hold. It could come back into play. But in the movie, he just snaps it in half. Doesn't make much sense. And in the fourth book, which I just read, Dobby the house elf, or Dobby as some might say, plays a big role. In the movies, he doesn't. There's this whole thing about uh, house elf equality that's overlooked. So there's a lot of nuance, a lot of storylines that are overlooked. So I think the books are far superior. Um, It also ends the debate, in my opinion, about whether Harry should be with Hermione or with Ginny. Very clear from the books that I believe Harry and Ginny should be together. If you disagree, connect with me. How's my family, though? Thanks for asking, Matt. Uh, Family's good. just welcomed a new little girl into the family. Very excited. Haven't had a chance to meet her yet, but um, everyone's happy. Everyone's healthy, which is a big thing, especially now. So family's good. This last question coming up is from uh, Alex Richards. Very funny comedian in New York City and very good friend. Um, yeah, I'd say one of the first friends I really made in New York in the comedy scene. Really good guy. And he asks, plans for curbside comedy when it starts to snow? That is a great question, and that is a lot about what this episode was going to be about before uh, Alex sent me this question. So, uh, in short, before going into more details about what curbside comedy has really been up to, is um, I'm going south. Like, 90% certainty I will be moving south for the winter to try and roll out curbside comedy where the weather permits outdoor shows. New York, the whole Northeast, um, the whole Northern part of the country, it's going to be really hard to perform safely during the winter. Uh, We're already seeing numbers go up. COVID cases go up um, in areas that have kept the spread rate really low. Um, And in these places, a lot of people have been performing outdoors, but If you've lived in the Northeast as long as I have, you know, unless you're into snow activities, it's going to be really hard to get people to sit outside for an hour, hour plus. So the only logical thing seems to be to go south or to not perform for three to six months. And that's just something I don't want to do. Um, Trevor right now, who I do curbside comedy with, Trevor Glassman, if you don't, follow him on social media, please check him out. Um, very funny guy. Uh, we're not, we're not moving together as of right now. Um, talked a lot about it. Um, and I, I think it's, I mean, I'll just speak for me. I had been thinking about moving South for a long period of time. When I moved out of New York and into Rhode Island, I strategically signed a short-term lease, three months, with flexibility going month to month after that, with the thought that it's just, you're not going to have outdoor shows in the Northeast. Um, Maybe you do with heaters, 
Maybe you do at some places that allow indoor stuff, but it just doesn't feel safe for me if I'm visiting family. Um, so yeah, that's the plan for curbside comedy with me. Trevor may carry it on in a different way up here, um, but I'm not going to speak for him. He'll speak for himself. He'll speak for himself very funnily, funnily on uh, on social media. Yeah, that's that's the thought. And if you know me and have been following the channel, you know that I think curbside comedy is much more than this idea that it, that it's been so far. Right now, it's kind of a two-person show. Trevor and I go curbside comedy. We show up. We do our thing have a few laughs and um, earn some money for charity. But I really think curbside comedy could be a whole lot more. I think booking the rate and the velocity of bookings can be increased. And I'm brainstorming a lot around that right now. And if things come together in the way that I'm brainstorming, I'll share more about that in the future, but I don't want to say something is before it really is. But yeah, the plan is to go south. And that seems like the right idea right now. Um, not just not just for me personally, but I think the audience is dictating that. People who I was hoping to get one more show in before snow started to fly have already come back and said, hey, we're just not interested right now. It's cold. It's getting darker earlier. So we will pass, but, you know, reach back out in the spring. So the audience was dictating that move, um, which with with that feedback already coming in, slow shows have really slowed down. Uh, we've had only two private shows since the last episode came out two weeks ago. Um, it's one of our longer, slow periods. Um, and I want to talk more about what I've been doing with those extra two weeks momentarily, uh, but I want to share story of these two shows we did a show for westerly housing authority in rhode island went down with curbside comedy we did back-to-back shows because they had two different properties in the westerly this this organization manages properties for retired individuals that still live independently it's an independent living facility um and we show up and you know i would say trevor's great I felt like I had a rough show. We said, I couldn't tell that you were thinking a lot in your head, trying to, you know, feeling like you're off. You were doing your thing. And that's always the goal. Like you got to project confidence all the time on stage. You just got to. So the fact that I was worried was not coming through was very good, but I just didn't get the laughs I thought I would get. Um, and you, if you know me, you know that I work clean. Um, for the most part, I might use one or two expletives in there, but I work clean. I, I, I'm kind of a silly guy. Um, share personal stories. And I thought, you know, it could be up people's alleys, but I just didn't get the laughs I wanted. Trevor did fine for that first show. Second show went great. Second show was really good, but this first show just things fell off. And you know, curbside comedy has our third act where we get a Q and A, and sometimes it feels like a little bit of a redemption tour when you go up and like. You might not have thought I was um, as great as I think I can be when I'm performing, but here's another opportunity to show you that I am really funny. 
Uh, but people didn't really have questions. We fished a few things out of people, tried to drag it on because we we're trying to fill our time that we said we'd do for the show. And someone had told me that, you know, the community has shuffleboard. They play cornhole. So I asked, you know, who's the best shuffleboard player here? Three people raised their hands. I said, oh, it sounds like you guys got to have a competition. And I go, oh, yeah, we team up. It kind of depends on who's playing with who, who's better that day. I just go, how do you choose teams? And this woman who didn't seem fully engaged uh, during my set, um, or maybe just wasn't, you know, enjoying my jokes as much, she just goes, they choose based on cleavage. I was like, oh, maybe this audience didn't like me as much as I thought they might have because they wanted something much raunchier. This group of uh, elderly um, senior citizens, they're young at heart, <laughs> just uh, laid that out there. I was really taken aback. It was one of those moments where, like, funnier than anything I could have said. Plus, you can get away with it and I can't. <laughs> Um, and then wrapping up the show, I always say, you know, thank you so much. Please give yourself a round of applause because there's no live show without a live audience. And the same woman just goes, we're only half alive. And I swear that as soon as she said that, an oxygen truck pulls into the parking lot of this community. And I just lost it. I was like, oh my goodness, they wanted something darker. They wanted <laughs> something else. So, and that's why you perform. That's why these things are great. You never know what you're going to get back from these audiences. <sighs> yeah. Yes. But that was the other show, like I said, uh, the Wesley Housing Authority went really well. One of my, I felt like, you know, went as well as I could have. Uh, but like I said, between the last episode and now, we've only performed twice. Two shows. Um, so what have I been doing? I've actually been using that time to strategize about that move. Going south. Um, and really trying to figure out how to brand the show properly. Uh, not the show. Curbside Comedy is not a show. How to brand the business properly. Because people are still confused. People still don't get that Curbside Comedy is about how we're bringing comedy to people, not necessarily the show itself. At least the way I see it. That's the way I see it. Um, so when going through this giant branding worksheet about mission statements, values, customer personas, competition, all these things are just are helpful to know so that I can communicate what curbside comedy is to other people. And I, this is going to weigh a lot into, you know, potentially how the show, how the, how the business grows in the future. But there are three things that I think are important, three things that I think are crucial for people to know to understand what curbside comedy is and the vision that I see for it. And it's the three pillars of the show. First pillar, as it should be for every comedian, be funny. See, some people say it's more important to be uh, interesting than it is to be funny. While that's a solid argument, and I do believe that in a lot of ways. Uh, if you're just interesting and you're not funny, you're a storyteller, not necessarily a comedian. You gotta, you gotta be funny. Um, so that second pillar, pillar number two is supporting 
the artists, supporting the comedians, and specifically supporting up-and-coming comedians. People who are maybe not earning what they should be, even though they're funny, because they just don't have the opportunity to tour, to um, to work in clubs right now. Because it's such, there's so many people vying for those spots. Not everyone who deserves an opportunity has the opportunity. So Curbside Comedy supports the arts, supports the comedians financially and with show opportunities. That's the second pillar. The third pillar of curbside comedy is supporting communities, whether that's national communities, local communities, neighborhoods, whatever. It's important giving back in some way. And I would, I think as the the show grows, it's going to get more niche and niche to supporting specific communities. And the more we connect with those communities, um, hopefully the better the show does, the more it, more people who understand what it is, the more it resonates with people and what they believe in. Because curbside comedy at the end of the day is about this story, about how this thing came to be and where it will go in the future. So those are the three pillars that I've been really working on right now. And there's so, so many ideas that keep on popping into my head about how the show can grow. And I really have high hopes for what I keep on saying show. It's a business way curbside comedy business can grow. Um, I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, that's what's going on with curbside comedy. That's a lot of what's up with me. The other thing, like I said, I don't want to labor on it too long because you can watch the video. You can watch Good News, a podcast, but um, Good News, a podcast is a show that I started in 2017. And I know that's a quick transition from curbside comedy to good news, a podcast, but um, I'm the type of person who has ideas and they think they're worthwhile, but I always think the ideas are going to take off faster than that would actually happen. And I, I really foresaw good news, a podcast being something that people wanted. It's, it's a way to help rebalance the news cycle. You know, we see a lot of bad news, bad news sales. Um, (laughs) As my roommate put it, um, there are two things that sell, two things that sell for sure. Bad news and sex. Interestingly, though, bad news about sex does not sell. (laughs) Um, You can argue if that's true or not, but (laughs) it's a funny point. There's so much bad news out there. I thought, you know, why not? Why not have a way to people for people to receive good news? Sort of started the show a long time ago and started it again before Curbside Comedy started. It was what I was doing right before Curbside Comedy started. It came back. I did six episodes. Listenership was okay. And then I left, let it go. And it's been almost five months. May. This was May when the last episode came out. So May, uh, June, July, August, September, October. June, July, August, September, October. Five months. I got an email about a month ago from someone named Craig Jessup. And he said, I love this show. Um, here's some good news. I want you to share in the next episode. It's like, this thing hasn't come out in months, four months at this point. Why? Why, why am I getting this? And so I looked at the listener information and the show skyrocketed. It has more sustained listenership over the last month than it has in its entire life. So I figured now's the time to try and invest in this thing. And so I'm trying to raise some money so I can step away 
from other obligations, freelance obligations that I have to focus on this thing that I think people will really want and enjoy. Um, trying to raise three and a half thousand dollars to continue the show for three months and then grow it from there. I don't want to, this is not, what's up with me is not necessarily a plug for good news, a podcast, but that's the other thing I'm, I'm thinking about a lot, how to get good news out. And I think there's a way to combine them. Good news, a uh, good news, a podcast spreads stories about good things that are happening. Curbside comedy. One of its pillars is supporting communities. And I think sharing information, cross promoting, um, if we connect with a really good charity with curbside comedy, why not talk about them in a good news sense? Why not share more positive things out there? Ways to help. Um, so yeah, that's that. That's kind of the big things that have been on my mind. Yeah. What am I, what have I been up to with writing? I, um, the other, with two weeks of not performing, I've had a lot of time to write. A lot of time to read, a lot of time to write. And I've been writing about partisanship in this country. I've been writing about news in this country. I've been writing about what COVID's done. I think it's very interesting that um, people are inviting people to weddings, but not really. They're like, you can't actually come to our wedding, but uh, would you like to watch the thing in full online? No. If we were in normal times, you're like, Hey, sorry, couldn't make it to my wedding. Do you, do you, uh, do you want to watch the, the full tape of the ceremony? I'd be like, nah, let's hang out. Let's talk. How's the honeymoon? Like, <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to, I will show up to my friend's wedding. So I want to support. Uh, I love, love, love people being happy. So I'm going to support them. But I, I think it's very interesting. And I think that it's a, a ripe, um, ripe area to talk about because COVID has normalized a lot of weird things. I also think it's really, uh, the other thing is news newscasters. Um, why, why do we, um, why do we cover hurricanes the way we do? Why do we send people out into the storm? Uh, Delta came through and, you know, uh, best wishes to those impacted by hurricane Delta. But I was watching, I think it was MSNBC, and they're like, all right, let's send it out to the field. Everyone's evacuated the town, but our reporter's there. I'm like, if everyone evacuated, is it safe to have someone near the eye of the storm? No, no. It's like, literally one of the things was, um, <laughs> imagine being out there. It's kind of like, it's kind of like being on a speedboat and that water's hitting your face but you're going a hundred miles an hour. I'm like, shouldn't be on that boat. Shouldn't be doing that. You, I don't, I think hurricanes, we can see a before and after and, you know, spread news to people about what to do without needing to be in the eye of the storm. Literally the eye. They're like, you should be in the worst of it right now. That eye wall is hitting you. I'm like, don't, but what are you doing? So thinking a lot about that. Um, premises, not necessarily jokes. Yeah. That's what's up with me. You know, Trying to figure a lot of stuff out. Trying to figure out the way forward. Um, thinking a lot about curbside comedy. What it can be in the future. Because I believe in it. I believe in it. And I'm still trying to be funny. Trying. Sometimes succeeding. Sometimes the audience. Half dead audience. <laughs> it's funnier than me. Yeah. Alex. Derek. 
Matt, thank you for the questions. Again, if you want to ask me a question, comments on this video, if you're watching on YouTube or um, connect with me on social media. Again, it's at Connor Fiechain. Please, if you like Good News, a podcast or want to support me, contribute to Good News, a podcast Kickstarter. Um, that information will be in the description of the show. If you're listening to this podcast, please rate this podcast, review this podcast, and subscribe wherever you are listening. Um, other than that, subscribe to my newsletter. The video cut out. The video cut out. My memory card is full. I'm going to wrap it up anyway. Um, yeah, subscribe, all that. Like I said, um, thank you so much. I hope what's up with you is good stuff. And hopefully two weeks from now, two Mondays from now, um, I'll be sharing some more good stuff about where I'm moving. Fingers crossed if that all comes together well and what the future of curbside comedy looks like a little bit more crystallized. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.